0: In this week's show, Max reviews Brazier Coffee Roasters, Milltown Dark Roast. He deep dives also into the differences between single boiler, dual boiler, and heat exchange machines, and Nick explains why he's never gonna give two thumbs up to any roaster that doesn't explain where they source their coffee from.
1: Max, hey, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. It's nice weather today. It's very sunny, or could be raining. It depends when we do
0: the podcast. Can you hear my table squeak still? I've got to. i got to put some. i got to put something on that table to stop it from squeaking. Yeah, I mean,
1: it's been a week now. You haven't put anything on it. <laughs> today we're going to be talking about Milltown,
0: the Milltown Dark Roast from Brasier Coffee Roasters. Yes. And is it Brasier or Brazier? It must be Brazier.
1: Oh, I didn't write that down. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's a, a kind of roast. <laughs> oh, can we start again?
1: <laughs> no, let's go. let's just own it and go ahead with it.
0: <laughs> okay. Oh God, did I mention that I'm I'm still fasting? <laughs> <laughs> I've, got, I've literally, oh, I've got I got no energy left. I, I need another coffee. I've had three coffees on my stomach today, Max. Oh, three wow. Coffees, uh, three oh, yeah. espressos on my stomach. And I feel cool. fine. It's not a problem at all. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, I feel fine too. I just see sounds. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to cover Brazier Coffee Roasters, Milltown Dark Roast. Yes. And, uh And when I say we're going to cover it, Max is going to cover it because <laughs>
1: Because someone doesn't remember me I can't remember a thing. Oh God, just they're gonna just hate me through 225 grams <laughs> of it without just taking a note.
0: Sponsor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so
0: Max is going to talk about that, but to make up for it, um, Max is also going to talk about about <laughs> coffee machines. But we're going to talk a little bit about um, about the differences between the the dual boilers the single boilers and the heat exchange systems of yeah. which I know very little about heat exchange, but we're going to talk about the, the, the the way that you make coffee on the different, on the three different machines. If you're working to a budget, like this is the kind of like the thing on this podcast, you know, working to a budget, when is it worth having one system over another? Do they really make a massive difference? Um, we can talk a little bit about that because I have used, uh, I have used expensive three uh, dual boiler machines, three groups, two groups, um and and obviously I'm using a single boiler at the moment mm-hmm. Max has got experience loads of more experience than I do on different systems because he builds them and um and so we'll talk a little bit about that which could be quite interesting and I'm also going to talk a little bit about uh the the um something I've been talking to some people about in the industry here about local roasting uh for for markets and um and how that's changing and how actually potentially the roasting market is changing so could be an exciting interview uh oh, sorry episode was based on some interviews i've done earlier on as well
1: <laughs> you're in the group for interviews <laughs>
0: i did i did share some of that with you today as well hmm. nice I, ca- I can't wait to hear
1: this podcast
0: oh wait yeah, <laughs> really. well you're on it you're gonna hear it right now oh, so wow. <laughs> So Max, so uh, I've got a lot yes. to say about Milltown Dark Roast, uh, Bradzie, but I, I really—it just went past you. I—I <laughs> I, I could read the back of the pack that I got, but I think probably better, better that, instead of me winging it, tell me what you think of this, uh, of this, of this dark roast from Milltown.
1: Yeah. So uh, one thing that I notice, and I have recurrent notes about it, is that um, it, it pours well. It pours nicely. But uh, for some reason, it had uh, a a very low yield from the grinder. So that means that it probably has a a high moisture content because the the beans are heavy. Right. So that was interesting because you wouldn't expect that from a dark roast. Mm Mm-hmm. A dark roast. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know about that. It might be that my grinder decided to retain everything and hide it away from me because it never came out again. (laughs) but um, so I was doing always uh, 14 grams 18 grams uh, it, it was in general not very strong I never found uh, uh, um I never managed to to get a very bold flavor from from this one um, I got uh, I, I, st- I tried to go around playing with the grind uh, going even to the 21 the t- 21 grams uh, basket and um, right. It was I was finding nice roasted flavors. So I was able to get the roasted flavor, but still I wasn't even in with the, with the twenty-one grams, I was not able to get anything outstanding, anything bold. It was um it was like it was a, a little weak, if anything. Mm-hmm. Um it pours nicely, that's the fun the funny the funny thing. It it really mm. looks uh, looks nice. Um I never got uh, too much uh, acidity except once where i uh, were clearly overdone it with the with the grind uh, but other than that i was never getting acidity which is a good thing for me so
0: right one thing i can tell you about it is i'm going to read off what it says in the back of the pack okay because it doesn't actually give much information on the website which is a shame they should update their website and at least put what's on the back of the pack on the website so that you know what you're buying before you buy it. You don't have to buy the thing to get the pack to read it. So it says here, tasting notes. Mm -hmm. uh, It says uh, cacao, molasses, and fudge. Does it say cacao or chocolate? No, cacao. Cacao, molasses, and fudge. Which sold it to me because, I mean, you know, who doesn't like molasses and fudge and cacao? Delicious. Um, It says it's a dark roast, but then later on it says it's a meat. Um, it says it's a dark roast, but then later on it says it's a medium dark roast. It says, "Okay, here's what it says: This classic medium dark roasted coffee has a full-bodied, smooth flavor. Hand roasted on our cast iron coffee roaster at our HQ in Wellington's historic Victorian wool mills." So I'm guessing that's where Milltown, uh, the name Milltown comes oh, from, I see. because it's made in some. Uh, victorian will mills and so Mm -hmm. it sounds nice it sounds historic right and i want to say the back of the pack uh, we roast uh the finest specialty grade coffees sourced from some of the hardest to reach places in uh, uh in a way that honors the people who grew the coffee brew yourself a cup and taste the world look that's lovely but what it doesn't say is where it got it from and um, how it's honoring the people. I mean, is it honoring them by paying them more? Are they doing some direct trade? Um, I don't mean to make fun honoring the people. I mean, is it honoring them by paying them more? Are they doing some direct trade? Um, I don't mean to make fun of it all, but, but it's just that, because they might well be doing lots of great stuff and the hardest yeah. to reach places could be a little bit more descriptive. Uh, I'd like to know where my coffee comes from and I'd like to know, how they're sourcing it and how they're paying for it, because and I tell you, this all goes back to it. And, and don't confuse me for, you know, tree hugging left wing socialist, you know, whatever. Um, but I am. Uh, so <laughs> no, I'm, not. No, I'm not, but I, I, I sort of, I'm veering a little, no, a little bit. I'm a lot more that way. I'm veering a lot more that way. I've always been grown up as a sort of a conservative entrepreneurial go getting kind of guy but the reality is, as I get older and older, Max, is sort of, I'm I am much more a hippie now than I ever was, and I do believe in in I do believe in doing good in the world. I believe that we're very fortunate to be where we are, and mm-hmm. those less fortunate goes all the way around to a very selfish reason, which is that I want to continue to enjoy great coffee, and the only way I'm going to continue to great, enjoy great coffee is that if those coffee growers continue to grow it. So when I'm so- buying coffee. It's a very simple choice, right? I have to make if I'm buying a coffee and I'm buying a coffee that I know is uh, going to pay a really good wage, higher prices are normal. And forget all these words, like these Weasley words, like a fair price, you know, or a great price, you know, fair price to a coffee farmer. What is fair? Who, who determines what's fair? Exactly. Tell me what the commodity price is <clears throat> and then pay more. Right, and and how much more are you going to pay? In fact, tell me how much you're paying for those for those green beans. Tell me what the C price is, like the, com- the commodity price, and what you're paying. And I can get it I can gauge myself. And I love it when companies do that. Some companies do. So tell me who you're sourcing it from. Uh, if you're sourcing it through, most roasters aren't direct sourcing, flying out. Uh, if you're sourcing it through, most roasters aren't direct sourcing, flying out to locations, doing all the work themselves. They're buying through a service or a platform or a third party. And that's absolutely fine. That's totally normal. But tell us who and how, so we can take a look at that company and how, what they're sourcing and their ethics are and how, and how much of the payment is going to the farmers. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm.
1: I do. (laughs) How did you get there? (laughs)
0: yeah so 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 even though we're kind of going through and we're sort of um and if you haven't realized it and you go back and you take a look uh at the the roasters that we are going to you might notice a pattern which is we're starting alphabetically <laughs> right so i've got a have got a spreadsheet of roasters and i'm not spinning the wheel each week i'm i'm going through letter by letter you know um and going through it that way so i don't i so it's not like i'm at the only the roasters that I am reading are sourcing ethically, I'm picking from A to Z. However, um, it bothers me that I'm picking roasters that aren't disclosing how they're sourcing their beans. And, you know, that's something to think about. Mm -hmm. Uh, On the other hand, when we do a podcast and we draw attention uh, to, to, to a company that, that may or may not be, doing lots of great ethical stuff but may not be promoting the fact that they're doing the ethical stuff very well then maybe that's a good thing so maybe we should you know continue uh in that way but um but okay i can't remember anything about these beans because i didn't take it <laughs> in my defense i was having a very very busy week max
1: yeah no i you're, you're forgiven. Uh, But uh, yeah, just to wrap it up to these beans, I literally tried to get these, because they they did say it's bold flavor, and I was trying to think, okay, maybe I'm doing something wrong. I actually think, okay, maybe I'm doing something wrong. I actually have in my notes, and I'm going to read it textually, what what, what I'm saying. Lots of spray. Have I lost my touch? (laughs) That's in my notes. Uh, So I was I was that desperate because uh, I was really struggling to get uh, a good extraction, or at least a good extraction from what my idea of bold and textured coffee is. Probably I was—I uh, already extracted it, but i was I wasn't—I wasn't able to get something that was agreeing with uh, with what I read.
0: Right. So, right. And- You know, I I imagine, I don't remember hating it. Like I would remember if I hated a coffee, I would definitely remember that. I don't remember overly loving it either. So I'm kind of guessing it's sort of in the middle somewhere of a perfectly acceptable some dark roast espresso blend. Um, A couple of things I would like to say of a perfectly acceptable some dark roast espresso blend. Um, A couple of things I would like to say just to be absolutely totally fair to to is um, is that they put a roast date on the back and, and I like the packaging. So first of all, um, it's, it's a big thing for me when someone puts a roast date on, uh, mm-hmm. not the best before. So, uh, kudos for them for, for making it clear when it was roasted. And secondly, it was nice packaging. It was a, it was a nice bag, well presented. So i got no problems with that either. Um, so, uh, I don't know whether to recommend it or not. Um, I would say, I would say probably, you know, there's, uh, I, I, I can't recommend it because I, I want to know the source of the beans and I want to know how it's being, um, how they're being, uh, how the farmers are being remunerated for their, um, uh, for their, uh, for their, their, their coffee. Um, so I'm, I'm probably not in how the farmers are remunerated, but that's me. Okay. And if you don't care about that, I'm not going to say a coffee is bad because, um,
1: because, uh, Oh no, they're two different things.
0: Yeah. They're two different things. So we're going to keep those separate and then you can choose for yourself. I'm going to say, I love this coffee, but I didn't say where they got it from or what they paid. And you can choose, you can just not care or, you know, but having said that, mate, we're tasting some great coffees out there that are, you know, giving all that information. So competition is a great thing, Max. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, So listen, you know, for once we actually talked about the coffee reasonably up front, which is great. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) <laughs> you know, we should probably make a habit and a format of doing that, so that people can actually listen to the coffee first, rather than having to scrub through an hour of me talking. Yeah, about I mean,
1: we, we do write it down as a as a you know as a checklist, but then we throw it out of yeah. the window as soon as we start. Sir,
0: about coffee machines, and we mentioned about just I think at the start of the podcast about the the uh, differences between single boiler, dual boiler, and heat exchanges and yeah. you asked me you know, hey, let's talk about this a little bit. And I said, well, the problem is I've never really used a heat exchange. I don't want to lie about it. I've I've never really used in anger heat exchange machines. Um, But but we can talk in theory and and I can explain why I've never used a heat exchange machine. And you can probably give a, a little bit about your experience on them as well
1: i'm gonna i'm gonna come out here i haven't used a lot of them as well i i used the um, uh, the commercial one uh, here at home because uh, i have it plumbed in and every so often i fire it up just to make sure that it's running fine before i sell it
0: well let's go just quickly let's go back and yeah. explain anybody that doesn't know the differences between a single boiler a dual boiler and heat exchange yes so actually you know what you do it you do it max i talk too much <laughs> the differences between a single boiler, a dual boiler and heat exchange. Yes. So, actually you know what? You do it. You do it Max. I talk too much. <laughs>
1: okay. So, a single boiler machine is uh, the classic gadget. So, you have a boiler that is typically in uh, in a metal and normally is uh, in, a, in the gadget is aluminium. Uh, some other some other machines they're more fancy, the older ones they're actually in brass, which is amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's very expensive and very. That's
0: expensive. The thing is, well metal boilers, right? Stainless steel. Uh, sorry. And stainless steel is the new thing in boilers.
1: Yes, I don't particularly agree agree with that because stainless steel can capture some flavors, but that's a different story. Anyway, um, so there are. It's a, it's a metal basically. It's a metal boiler that uh, gets heated up. Um, depending on which machine you have, you can have a resistance that goes into the boiler. For example, with the Rancilio's. If I remember correctly, they have a um, chilios. If I remember correctly, they have a, um, a heating element inside the boiler, or like the gaja, you heat up the whole thing. And that typically, that boiler sits on top of the brewing head, so you heat up the boiler, and the, the heat then transfers to the whole brewing head and to, the, to your portafilter. And uh, typically, the brewing head, the, the, the brewing system, and the portafilter, they're obviously in uh, brass because they they transfer the heat easily and fast. So you heat up the, the, your boiler, and the rest heats up accordingly very fast. The advantage of this is that you have very high control <clears throat> of what you have in the, in the boiler. So you have a certain temperature that you want to reach, 94 degrees. You set that, and uh, the, the boiler itself and the water inside it, which is enough for one or two shots, is going to reach that temperature. The way that you, you brew the coffee and then it goes uh, it goes towards the top and then it gets pushed through a um, um, a copper pipe that goes into the brewing head and then into the distribution and then through the coffee and, it, and you make the coffee. Uh, the, the water that goes through that, of course, is the hottest water. So it's, it's at 94 degrees because it's been sitting on the boiler and the, the water that goes in gets heated up while it goes in. Obviously, this is not uh, an ideal system because if you if you, pour, if you push for example four uh, four shots, sorry, not four, uh, two three shots in a row, the second and third are not going to be at the right temperature because you're right. cooling down the boiler. You're cooling da- you're introducing cold water, and the boiler will heat up. So you have a dip in the temperature when you make the second one. And by the time you make the third one, you're probably going to be overheating, so in cold water, and the boiler will heat up. So you have a dip in the temperature when you make the second one, and by the time you make the third one, you're probably going to be overheating. So you overheat your your portafilter and the brewing head because you're heating up the boiler and the temperature will go up. So we go above 94 degrees.
0: And temperature is uh, a pretty big thing in, in Yes, uh, when you extract,
1: um, you, you, we notice actually between my notes and your notes, we notice that I notice that sometimes the the, the fine flavors you tend to find them, while I, I struggle a little bit because I don't have that. The way yeah, I. I just, have-
0: ID device on my Gaggia, and yeah. I do. It does make a huge difference. I did not um, appreciate it until I had it, but um, but uh, yeah, I, I I adjust it depending upon how dark or light the roast is. So, exactly, um, hotter water, only- hotter water will extract faster, and yeah. so.
1: It- uh, I turn on the coffee machine and leave it on for about twenty minutes before I use it, and I make sure that the boiler is full every time I turn it on.
0: Yeah, so absolutely, Yeah,
1: that's the way that the normal gaja or the, you know, the typical household coffee machines work. Now you only have one boiler here. And uh, if you want to make a cappuccino, that's when you start having problems because you have this one boiler and then you have to make steam to make a cappuccino. Now steam, of course, doesn't come out at 94 degrees. You have to bring the temperature to about 130, 140 of the boiler so yeah. that you have enough, enough temperature to actually then push steam out and to vaporize all of the water in there. Yeah. Obviously this affects everything else because you heat up uh, uh, the brewing head, the the distribution, uh, basically it's a big lump of metal that you're heating up at 140 degrees including if you leave it on the portafilter everything else because you heat up uh, uh, the brewing head, the the distribution uh, basically, it's a big lump of metal that you're heating up at 140 degrees, including, if you leave it on, the porta filter. Mm-hmm. Now, when do you make your cappuccino? When do you steam your milk? Do you steam it before? That means that if you steam the, the milk before, you're making, you're frothing the milk, all of, the, all of your lump of metal is 140 degrees, and then you have to cool it down before you can make a coffee. And you have to cool it down to a stable temperature.
0: Right. And, and that is actually how I see everybody doing it. And it's quite interesting because like, I don't have a lot of experience in doing this because I, I don't drink milky drinks very often. If I do drink a milky drink, it's hot cacao. And then I'm only steaming the milk and not making the espresso. I don't really drink milky coffees. Um, if I'm making, if I'm making one for somebody else, um, then initially was using making the espresso first and then doing the milk um but then potentially of course espresso is cooling down but that didn't seem to be a big problem for me especially if you warmed your mug up which of course you must do first uh but um but everybody else i was seeing was 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 making the steam first the milk first and then and then cooling it down and they would cool it down by uh by by um hitting the brew button and steam would come out the group head and then you just be constantly hitting that until you know until the temperature was reached but that was quite a significant amount of time I would say
1: yeah I do that actually after I've made the cappuccino so I do the, I do the other way around um I'm gonna get there eventually um what I wanted to say is that I think that making the milk before it's wrong twice because if you want to do for example the dreadful um hieroglyphics on top of the coffee which uh, people call latte art I call waste of time
0: but I I don't I don't do it
1: yeah, it's, it's fun. It's you know it's something, you know, you, you do it because you're steaming the milk properly and you might as well. Uh, but anyway, if you st- if you steam your milk first, then you, you have um, about, um, I mean, it's a significant amount of metal. You have about, you're probably looking at two kilos or three of metal that you have to cool down from 120, 130, whatever temperature it is, to 94. And... Including the porta filter, the filter, the brewing the brewing system, and you just pour uh, water on it. So you're wasting water that heats in your tank. Uh, you're you're putting your machine through distress that doesn't need to. Plus, you have to you have to assume that once you reach your temperature, it's stable. But you measure your temperature from uh, where from the boiler. Is that? Is that significant? Is that, a, is that a significant measurement? That once you reach your temperature, it's stable. But you measure your temperature from uh, where? From the boiler? Is that is that significant? Is that a, is that a significant measurement? Is that telling you the, the truth, or is just that that's a cold spot, and hmm. uh, the rest is is uneven? Uh, so that's one thing. Second, the milk is going to settle. By the time that you, you you've done all of these uh, all of these exercise, your milk is colder and settled, so you have to stir it again and me mi- and, and then you make yeah. your cappuccino.
0: I must keep swilling it. You can't. Um, you can use it, but I've I've seen people use milk after a considerable period of time. But in my opinion, it's not yes. the same. It's just not the same.
1: Yes. Aspect. You you then put the froth with a spoon. Uh, I mean, it's <laughs> it just doesn't it, it doesn't look right. Mm-hmm. So, well,
0: the cool. food, If you're making a cappuccino, if you're making a latte, starts to separate out a bit.
1: Yeah. So that's one. Uh, the way I do it is, I make, I heat up my my uh, coffee mugs, coffee cups. So, Sweet. since I have a Paris, the Paris actually, unfortunately, doesn't have a heating um, system on top of the machine. You can put stuff on top, but it doesn't really heat them up. Mm-hmm. So what I do is I pour a blank. Into the co- into the cups and just leave the cups on the side just to, to warm yeah. up, so they get yeah. they get the heat from the uh, from the water. Then clean up everything, uh, make my coffees, and set them on a the side. And as soon as I'm done brewing the coffee, I turn on the the steaming the steam mm-hmm. the steam button, and uh, I get steam within a couple of minutes already. So. The, you know, machines are quite efficient in heating up very fast. It's cooling down that, is, that takes longer.
0: Three, If you're making two or three coffees, the best thing to do is to do the espressos first, bang, 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 yep. and then do the milk afterwards. And it's frankly, right. you can then use a bigger milk, milk jug um, as long as you've got enough steam power.
1: That's uh, the thing. So to be honest, in a, if we are talking about systems like Gaja, uh, like the Gaja Classic, you don't have enough steam power to steam more than one milk.
0: Well, you say one milk, but it depends on the size of the jug. So um, yeah. if, you've got, if you've got a jug that's big enough to do two, and let's not talk about flat whites. Let's talk about, let's see again, for me, I would always make a flat white and a cappuccino with roughly the same amount of milk. Sorry, mm-hmm. a latte and a cappuccino with roughly the same amount of milk um, <clears throat> because we would make a lot of efficiencies in the cafe and actually it didn't come down to... Um, people weren't that bothered about whether there was a little bit more milk in a latte, a little bit less in a the cappuccino. There was, it was more about the milk texture. And so uh, so you would have the, the jug that was the right size for a single coffee and then the jug that was the right size for two coffees. And that would be it. Um, I have got the same setup here. I don't know why I bought two jugs uh, for home. she <laughs> since I don't really drink any milk drinks, um, probably just cause I, I like to play with, with, uh, with making textured milk. Um, <laughs> and also now, you know what it actually is. It's, it's a source for making the hot cacao drinks and I'm a big fan. Oh, dude, I've got some delicious cacao at the moment I've got from Venezuela, which is great, but, uh, but making the right, the right kind of milk for that. Um, I find on my Gaggia classic, uh, I am quite capable of making, uh, a big, Mug of cacao uh, with a double jug um, mm. from that machine. It does take it does take a bit of time though. You have to hold yes. it for quite quite a long time to get to get the the milk temperature. Take, it does take a bit of time though. You have to hold yes. it for quite quite a long time to get to get the the milk temperature uh, and the texture up to the right level.
1: Yeah, uh you probably need to ref to to give it a bit of a refill in that case and, and you you're going to notice that uh, your steam button actually goes off and on again while you're steaming. And in that time you actually lose quite a bit of power or at least that's in mine. Uh it's it's a thing I've noticed.
0: I I I let my temperature go up into the
1: 150s. Ah, that's why because you have a PID and yeah. uh, you have the Mr. Shades PID, which bypasses the whole thing.
0: Yeah, it does, yeah.
1: yeah I have mine, and uh, mine is the original one, and that goes up to one, uh, 130. Right, yeah. That is so... a difference. But in general, anyway, so to, to wrap it up about single boiler ones, going up with the temperature, single boiler ones, going up with the temperature is fast and it's easy also because it doesn't really matter if you overshot if you overshoot with, uh, with with steam, you're fine. It doesn't matter. You can't have steam that is too hot, can you?
0: No, as long as it's but dry. The key it, thing is to have the dry steam, yeah?
1: Yeah. If you go down with the temperature, you have to be sure that you're at the right temperature because at that point, the temperature is a crucial thing. So mm-hmm. I don't see why anyone in their right mind would want to go down with the temperature and then play with it because you're never going to be at 94. While if you let it equilibrate at 94 first, that is for sure 94. It and makes then, a lot it, of- and, yeah. I mean, at least that's the way I do it. But, you know, well, so single know boiler. that's a single, boiler. a single boiler.
0: That single boiler is basically benefit of a single boiler, then do your milk, job done. If you're making 10 milks in a row, 10 milky drinks in a row, then a single boiler isn't for you, period. Yeah.
1: Never. <laughs> right. Uh, Next
0: machine you want to look at is, do you want to do the heat, the double boiler or the dual boiler? Yeah, the
1: double boiler. double boiler is basically, it's um, it's the same thing as a single boiler, but one boiler is dedicated to the coffee. The other boiler is dedicated to steam only. So you have these two boilers running at the same time and you don't have the problem of the, the temperature adjusting that you have. And that's typically right. with Sage. Uh, you still have a problem in terms of um, volume, because you still have uh, volume enough for one or two shots until before the the, the sorry the coffee boiler goes cold and you have to re- heat it up again. And you only have so much steam that you, you, you can put through before you need to refill and re- rebuild the steam power again. So you're limited in terms of, of, of volume, of sorry, of number of, of drinks you can make in a, in a row. Yeah, that's, you, know, that's, you get what you pay for. Yeah. And, um, and actually, to be honest, they're quite pricey. I don't, I, I, don't see the point of using a sage coffee machine when you, for the same money, more or less, you can get a, a heat exchanger.
0: Yeah, uh, well, mm, I mean, you, you take a look at how they work. And I, I only know in theory because I, I've, I've really haven't spent much time on heat exchangers. Mm-hmm. Um, I have spent more time on dual boilers, and it, it, it isn't. I mean, there is more to the technology, and this people are doing different. Uh, you got different um, uh, uh, group head technologies and designs. You've got now, like on the more expensive commercial machines, you've got like the little mini boilers in the head. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you've got, so you've got a very stable temperature.
1: Uh, yeah, you're talking about Lamarzoco GS3, aren't you? Uh,
0: no, and, and also the uh, Victoria Arduinos um, are doing the same thing. It's also because it's also more efficient. Like you're not heating up 2.2 liters of water to do a single shot, right? Um, so there's, uh, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of high tech or better technology that goes into, into the, um, the higher end market machines at the, I say the lower end, but at the, at the consumer end, the home user end, um, Mm -hmm. you're still spending actually quite significant amounts of money. So, um, you'll probably be for a dual boiler machine. You can be to dual boiler
1: boiler is what? A thousand almost at least a
0: thousand for, for, I think one of the good ones uh, um, if you took a look at the ECM or the um, profitex, I think profitex, profitex are heat exchangers or dual boilers. Yeah, heat
1: exchanger. profitex is heat exchanging. Is it okay? So it's a It's typically the, the sage.
0: Yeah, the, but when we say when we say sage, and uh, to all American friends, it's breville. Um, oh yeah.
1: sorry, yes. Uh, in the US, I'm not international. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah. sorry, yes. Yeah. In the US, I'm not international. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah we take
0: podcasts and we put them in envelopes, packages, and boxes, and we send them all over the world. Oh, wow! Uh, you can order you can order this podcast online, and we'll put it in a box and send it anywhere and to any country in the world that you like.
1: Yeah, but if if we like you, if we don't like you, we're going to put it inside a pigeon and send a pigeon.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you know that's how they? Um, that the first tanks in, in World War I, Um, they used to have a little hole out the back and they used to have a, a certain number of pigeons. Uh, yes. Did you know this? I didn't know this. I was watching a World War documentary. Or no, it was a documentary about tanks. Mm-hmm. And they used to have this hole in the back. And if your tank got stuck somewhere or something, you would take your carrier pigeon and you would let it out the hole in the back so it would fly back, hopefully not getting shot in the way and uh, deliver a message to say my yeah. tank is stuck.
1: Yeah, actually, there is um um and fly
0: back, hopefully not getting shot in the way, and uh, deliver a message to say my yeah. tank is stuck.
1: Yeah, actually, there is um, um an animation movie about uh, I think it's called Valiant uh, about homing pigeons during wartime and uh, the Germans and uh, not only the Germans. I mean, I think quite a few uh, parties involved in uh, in the World War in the in the warfare uh, they were actually using hawks. Uh, to capture I, the pigeons oh really
0: yeah That's see this is how technology i mean technology moves on but it's the same thing right uh <laughs> yeah we started uh, wait but no, the, is the
1: pigeon heat exchanger or double boiler i don't god oh i don't know
0: <laughs> so bringing it back but thank you for the segue so bringing it back um so the, the 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 dual boiler when we look at dual boiler machines i tell you what i i I probably, if I was to go with another machine, I would probably go good max. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, <laughs> you kind of have to sort of, you start choosing if you want better quality components in other areas, you start yeah. getting into you having to choose between a dual boiler or a heat exchanger. But what I saw was that the heat exchanges went as consistent in their output as some of the dual boilers were. So I'd probably yeah. myself go for, a du- go for a dual boiler. I like the idea of the heat exchanger the efficiency mm-hmm. and you're going to explain in a second how it works but um the dual boilers seem to be more consistent in in their output from the reviews that I saw
1: absolutely and and you're actually absolutely right on that but again it depends on your volume so it depends on how many coffees you make the typical mm-hmm. thing that you you always see and i i see this a lot in in the in the facebook groups that i mean That people tend to go for these incredibly expensive, and I mean they're fantastic because they look great. To be honest, I mean if 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 uh, come on, it looks so good. Anyway, in short, um, they they tend to go for these uh, super expensive coffee machines. But then you make one espresso, and it's kind of pointless because the little engineer inside me, and it's very little because I'm not an engineer myself. But uh, that's that's overkill, and it's uh, the wrong engineering. And the explanation for that is, if you make two coffees, three coffees um, in a row maximum, you don't need to boil three liters of water. You yeah. and just you get away very easily and actually much more consistently with a small controlled boiler where you you say, okay, I have, I want ninety four degrees. You set you set it up at ninety four degrees. Mm-hmm. And your boiler is going to be at 94 degrees. So the water that goes through the brew head and also the temperature of the brew head and the, the, um, uh, the porta filter is going to be 94 degrees. of the brew head and the, the, um, uh, the porta filter is going to be 94 degrees. And then you have the, the double boiler that is, I think it's a no-brainer if you can. Uh, it's great because you have the, you know, the second boiler is for steam only. If you want to make uh, coffee drinks, sorry, latte, uh, uh, milk drinks there you go you're done and you have it there you don't have to you,
0: you bought you can be steaming your milk whilst you're making your coffee why well,
1: that's
0: entirely sure
1: for mm-hmm. me it's not the problem of when you make it or it's not a it's not a problem of throughput because when you're at home let's talk let's face it exactly, you're not right in a hurry. Yeah. If you have time to make yeah. a coffee, you have time to make a cappuccino. Yeah, and yeah. we're talking we're talking about people here, us included, that um, you weigh your beans, weigh your beans, and then you grind them, and then you recover everything, then you tamp it nicely. And it's not a you know it's not a fast paced coffee um, coffee shop where you have to make three coffees in one minute. Yeah, right. So. Yep. In that that's not that doesn't come into the equation to me. Uh, to me, it's more of a of a matter of temperature stability. If you have a, a boiler that's dedicated to steam, you don't have to bother about uh, cooling cooling down your boiler after you steam some milk. That's the thing. Yeah, absolutely.
0: You're absolutely right.
1: Then, if you move to uh, heat exchanging machines, the way they work is it, they they work literally like um like a radiator. You have uh-huh. a boiler that you that you uh, heat up and typically the temperature in the boiler is regulated not by temperature but by pressure so you have 1.2 bars typically which is sure so you have 1.2 bars typically which is normal which is normally what what is in all of the coffee machines and that uh, boils down to a temperature of about 130 degrees give or take 120 130 uh, that is because the, the water is under pressure, and uh, so it doesn't boil. So the boiling uh-huh. point of the water at that that pressure is above the hundred degrees. This is a problem though, because everything else eventually in the machine will tend to equilibrate at that temperature. And right. in the in the heat exchangers, you you have a heat exchanger which is literally. Uh, in some in some machines is a piece of brass with um, uh, a mass of of brass again and copper mm-hmm. that goes into the boiler and siphons the heat out of the boiler and uh, transfers that to the rest of the coffee machine including the um, what do you call it ah including the portafilter i keep forgetting the word portafilter these days so Everything will equilibrate eventually at that temperature if you don't run anything through it. So everything gonna, is going to reach 130 degrees. This is because these are designed for a fast flow rate of water. Mm-hmm. So typically these are for uh, to make shots one after the other because you're siphoning temperature out of it because you're heating up the water while it goes through the heat exchanger. So right you can pull 5, 10 coffees in a row and you're always going to get the temperature of the water at the right temperature. So 94-ish. Yeah. And it heats up while it while it circulates through the um, heat exchanger. The right temperature. So 94-ish. Yeah. And it heats up while it, while it circulates through the um, heat exchanger. The way that the smaller ones work, you have water, a water pipe that goes literally inside the, the, the boiler. So you have mm-hmm. an entrance of the boiler and an exit of the boiler, and that's uh, coated in uh, copper. It's a thick copper pipe. And yeah. that goes then to your brew head. This is the simple co- uh, um, heat exchanger. So your brew head is not connected directly to the, to the boiler, but it. This this piece of copper with the water siphons the heat out of it, so the the brew head um, heats up uh, slower. Uh, that's the same way that, uh, for example, the gadget D ninety is, is designed. You don't have an, an active uh, motion of water through the uh, brew head. The Lamarzo temperature because you can then regulate how how much you you're dissipating, how much heat you're dissipating in time. The problem of this, you can already think about it, is that if you don't run any water for a few minutes through it, your your water is going to be too too hot. So right. the first shot is going to be well over ninety four degrees.
0: Yeah. In so fact, you're going to have to. Do, this is why you, I guess you always um, you always uh, uh, pull some water first before. before exactly. Clean.
1: You do the cool down shot. Yeah. Because if if your cafe, for example, is not busy enough, the first coffee is going to be burnt. Mm-hmm. So you have to make a, um, a blank one first.
0: Well, you just put and some water. You let some water run. You don't have to even run a coffee through. Just let some water run.
1: Yeah, yeah. And what you're doing basically, you're you're making you're priming the machine to become yeah. to to run at an optimal temperature because you need the cold water to
0: run. You don't have to even run a coffee through. Just let some water run.
1: Yeah, and what you're doing basically, you're you're making you're priming the machine to become yeah. to, to run at an optimal temperature because you need the cold water to go through the copper.
0: Yeah. yeah. So that I remember doing when I was playing around with some heat exchange machines and, and that's what exactly. we had to do. It made a huge difference. You'd just flush the water before putting the porta filter in, you'd flush the water for a few seconds and then you're you're ready to go.
1: Yeah. And even your porta filter, eventually, if you if you leave it to equilibrate for too long even that is going to reach the the high temperature because, yes, of course they are designed to dissipate the heat, but I don't believe for one minute that is not going to be the temperature of equilibration is not going to be closer to the hundred and thirty. Oops, sorry. Yeah.
0: So <laughs> you gotta you gotta call there, Max. Yeah. Are you on the phone? Yes. Yeah. So, you know what, so, so, so if you were so, choosing a machine and you could have any machine that you wanted, what would you, I mean, what would you go with? Would you go with a heat exchange? Te- I mean, from a technology point of view. From
1: a technology, a technology not- point of view, uh, that would be ripping me apart inside because uh, what, I, what I want uh, is not what is sensible. <laughs> <clears throat> so for a home environment, I think that uh, a dual boiler is the perfect combination. And that's why Sage, or Breville, or whatever you want to call it, um, can can afford to make those to, to ask for those prices, for those crazy yeah. prices. Uh, um, they're, all right.
0: they're all right. I mean, the thing is, the only thing I have against the Breville Sage line is that they have the integrated grinder, and I was on my grinder separate. So
1: Yeah, uh, that uh, doesn't bother me too much. I think that they for, for what they're offering, I think they're, they're asking for too much. For, for what they're offering, I think they're, they're asking for too much because it's, um, if Gaggia can make um, a coffee machine for what? How much is a Gaggia Classic? 250, 300 pounds?
0: It's more than that, Max. It's, it's, it's three, 390, I think, something like that.
1: 390? Pretty oh God, sure. I have to get my prices right again.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're they're they're. I'm pretty sure they're at the higher end. Um, the Gagia Classic Pro now, Gagia Classic Pro. Uh, what are they selling for? They are selling for three ninety seven.
1: Mm, okay.
0: Oh, even this is one here in black for four hundred
1: and forty nine pounds. Okay. Well, anyway, let's say um, I mean around four hundred pounds. I don't yeah. see 600 pounds worth of uh, more things into... A, I don't yeah. see 600 pounds worth of uh, more things into into a Breville or Sage. Mm-hmm. Because it's literally, it's either boiler and uh, yes, it has flow controls and everything. It's, uh, it's so cool. But nowadays, with an oh, Arduino board... It
0: have flow control.
1: No, it doesn't have flow control. I'm sorry. It's... Um, dose control of the water. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, uh, control- and I don't know if it's volumetric or time based, but anyway, that doesn't matter. So I would mm-hmm. get a double boiler myself. Right. for a home right. environment. Uh, I
0: mean but- you can get the cheaper sages, but I know the ones you're talking about, they go up to two uh, yeah, thousand exactly. pounds. for like the touch. So a dual boiler. And, you
1: know- Too expensive. For what it is,
0: I I think it's too expensive as well. The thing is, what they do very well is they they understand their market. It's got all the gadgets. People love it, the gadgets, and they'll pay for it. Other people who are just more interested in the coffee um, will probably go for a separate grinder. They'll probably go for a machine that looks a little bit more industrial, a little bit more, air quotes, professional. I know for me, because I'm going to talk about me for a second. I know for me, Max, uh, because you had your chance, um, I... (laughs) I, uh, the upgrade, if I was going to upgrade my machine, I would upgrade specifically to get flow control. That's for me, that's the thing that that's really, um, I'm really fascinated by mm. is, is finding out how I can extract better flavors from coffee by, by changing the flow profile. And the trouble is that comes with very expensive and that, that, that you're starting to talk, you know, much more. No, not so much. You know what you can do? You can get like on the ECM Synchronica. You no, no, can get... no, no,
1: no, no. If you talk... not so
0: much, you know what you can do? You can get like on the ECM Synchronica.
1: You no, can no, no, get... no, no, no. If you're talking flow control, there are two machines that I would get. One is uh, this layer, and I, I, I want that. I would want that so badly. Uh, or uh, the, the Decent, actually. That's Decent, very
0: good. Yeah, now, the Decent, was well, a couple of grand. It's an amazing piece of kit. I just don't like the way it looks, but it probably will yeah. has the flow control. But <laughs> I mean, if they only made it in metal, you know, as opposed to all the stuff you've yeah. got on, all over it, the way it looks, but in terms of making, you're right. Actually from a science point of view, the decent espresso machine, if no one's heard of it, people haven't heard of that, watch it, go check it out. Cause they are, I think also they only ship them from America, which yeah. means whatever price you think you're paying, you then have to pay for shipping. And then once you've got you've, you've, that, you then got the import tax, which will kick you another 30% or something horrific and kill you, you know, then good luck to you. But, um, uh, the decent espresso looks, looks really amazing. Uh, however, no, I'm, I actually am tempted. I really like the ECMs. I like their build quality is unbelievable and they've got a flow control. That's that's mechanical and yeah. but unfortunately they, they sell it as an add-on um yeah. and you have to buy it as an add-on but it's german engineering it's the mercedes benz of machines man
1: it's, re- it's a it's a very simple system actually it's an it's a needle valve yeah. and it's um it's actually a, yeah it's a ripoff from the slayer the slayer mounts a um, a needle valve but it's proprietary it's probably yeah. a bit smaller
0: Slayer has, yeah, I've seen the Slayer system. I've, I've actually studied their valve system and it's, it's nice and all, but how much are they charging for that again? They can't charge 5,000 pounds. I think. Five grand. wasn't pounds. I think. Five grand. Whereas I can get myself an ECM for, ooh, let's go and take a look. Uh, ECM Synchronica. Which is a beautiful looking machine. I think it looks better than the um, looks better than the uh, Do Widget Thingamy One, uh, the Slayer. Um,
1: no, 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 the, no, no, no. This layer is,
0: yeah, so uh, the Slayer is is just so. good. Well, uh, you see, the American audience here are loving you now because, of course, it's made in America. The the Slayer. Um,
1: I'm not I saying I just, they know anything about coffee, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, not anything about this price.
0: Look, it's a great machine. It's a great machine. Yeah. I just feel I can't you were talking just now about justifying prices. Yeah, no, How but can do- I
1: can I also tell you something that uh-huh. I I believe very strongly? It's useless the flow control yeah. in the it, I I believe very strongly. It's useless the flow control yeah. in the in the machine, manual flow control is useless. Because you're not a machine. You? Oh, because I know. <laughs> I work with this kind of stuff day in, day out, because I am an I'm an analytical chemist. So I know about flow controls and everything. You cannot have it by hand. You will never have a consistent shot. The what I like of the of the decent is that you can actually do it yourself. You can you can program it and, and have it done by the machine. Yeah. And that I believe it really
0: you don't yeah. think you can do the flow control by that but the slay is done by hand you pull exactly. the paddle around
1: exactly and it's, you're never going to get a consistent shot you're never going to get the same profile oh, twice i,
0: I want consistency look if i wanted consistency <laughs> there's no art and fun and consistency max i'll be out of a job if they that's what i want to do i would, don't take the fun away from me i'm going to be down there getting very serious about saying you know if i just move it this way and then pull it that way and i hold it for three seconds and push it the whole way I, I'm, I'm i'm like that i'm like scotty on star trek i need to have i need to have dials and buttons and things i'm a man damn it okay no yeah that's how i feel but hey, listen. This is the great thing about it all is, it, is that uh, is that it it is something for everybody. If you want, Absolutely. if you want fully automated the decent espresso, you just you go get your load up your Linux laptop and your Java virtual machine, your JVM, and install your latest Android widgets and program away. Um, I don't think it's that hard, but I have seen some of the some of the some of the <laughs> the flow profiles and the technical discussions that go on, and I think it's great for computer programmers. The the really nerdy people who are getting into into those those flow controls um, and the, and the charts that come out of it and interpreting the charts and making adjustments. Um, I kind of purposely have steered away from it because I like the idea of on my espresso in the morning, I don't want to have anything to do with a computer.
1: Oh yeah. I, I, mean.
0: I do a lot of work with computers all day long. And the last thing I want to do when I'm making my coffee is have it computerized. Same thing with my car. That's why I drive a very old car, I drive a very old BMW. Uh it still has a computer on it, but it's compared to the modern ones, it's, it's still it's pretty basic. And I kind of want my espresso machine to be to be relatively straightforward and to be a little bit manual, to have a lever to pull. I, I always want the lever to pull, Max. A bit of
1: analog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm okay with the. Um, uh, I mean, it, again, it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm okay with the. Um, uh, I mean. It, Again, it depends what you want. It's uh, I love the, the look and the feel of this layer, but uh, I also see the point. Uh, I mean, it's I also see that it's engineering, engineeringly, from an engineering point of view, is nonsense.
0: So listen, here's what an ECMC chronicle will cost you. Uh, it will cost you in London from. Let's give them a plug, dopio Machines. Dopio mm-hmm. Coffee, uh, Dopio Coffee Warehouse. They are a distributor for the uh, ECM in the UK, and they will sell you an ECM Sicronica dual boiler for two thousand two hundred eighty pounds, which is about I don't know what's that, about two thousand five hundred dollars or two thousand six hundred dollars, something like that. Um, and the flow control valve, which just looks beautiful. It's just beautiful. It's a workable valve. It's just, it's beautiful. It's just beautiful. It's a work of art. It's it's, it's steampunk. Your steampunk ECM E61 flow valve is 192 quid.
1: Yes, uh, but quid. I, I, I will receive from Lamar Zocco, I will receive a free GS3.
0: I like the GS3.
1: I, I love the GS3.
0: Yeah. Everyone's about the linear mini. They're all about the linear mini. You don't need the GS3. The linear mini It's da-da-da. I, I like yeah, the yeah. GS3.
1: I, just I like the, the look of the GS3, period.
0: Yes, <laughs> me too. I like the look of it and the fact that it's got... And by the way, as long as you get the right model, I've got there's a couple of different models, you can get flow control on it.
1: Yes, yes, you
0: can. And unlike the Linear Mini, who it looks like you've got flow control because there's a paddle. Do you know what that paddle does? No. It, it It's connected to a lever that pushes a button. Ah. <laughs> <gasps> Yes, <laughs> but you 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 move a lever, so it makes you feel very analog, but oh, yeah. actually just pushing a button. Oh. <laughs> it's very disappointing when you learn that, especially if you bought the thing. But yeah. the PS3 has proper flow control on it; has proper control. I mean, that's another great machine to have. I would have no yeah. problems with
1: three. I would love to review it for
0: free. Yeah, yeah. Any of these I machines? Have no shame. <laughs> Yeah, neither of it. Well, we. I think we've. I think we've already made that point on previous podcasts. Yeah, yeah. We have we no covered secret. that. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, Max, let's wrap it up, pal. Let's get. Let's yep. make the use of our Saturday. Okay. <laughs> that was really great, and um, I'm going to see you in a couple of weeks.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
0: All right, my friend. Have a great. Have a great rest of the weekend.
1: You too. Thank you.
0: Ciao. Bye. Alrighty. You know, me talk for one hour and 49 minutes. All right, my friend. Have a great, have a great rest of the weekend.